0: Welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
1: And I am your host, co-host, Austin.
0: <laughs> co-host. So, what's up, Austin? I feel like we haven't been here for a while.
1: Oh, just been hanging been like out, a out whole with week. my wife, Kelly.
0: Yeah, we've had a lot of fun. We, we had my birthday. Kelly's birthday and was Easter. this weekend, guys.
1: So I'll give her a Mama Mystery shout-out. And tell everybody that Kelly's the rock of our household.
0: Aww.
1: And you do a very good job with the podcast.
0: Hey, thanks.
1: And Patreons, she loves you. All the listeners, she loves you. You guys make our life very happy because she enjoys this.
0: Yeah, I really do. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because we're like over 50 episodes in, so we've been at it for a little while now, and I really do enjoy it. I, You know, I have my moments where I'm like... You know, some of this stuff gets heavy, and I wonder if it, like, affects my mood. So sometimes, you know, it's healthy for me to take a break, um, and maybe it means that I delay an episode a day, but, you know, for the most part, though, I truly do enjoy it. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Patreons, we have a few new ones to thank. So, Mandy Goddard.
1: Shout out, Mandy.
0: Alana Phoenix.
1: Shout out, Alana.
0: Gianna Barone. Yo. And CG McQuinn. In the house. And speaking of, okay, there, there's like a couple things I want to touch on. Atlanta Phoenix designed one of the stickers that is going out in this month's sticker pack. That's so.
1: Yeah, it's cool too. The sticker's super cool.
0: It is. Um, it's a quote from that, that crazy review we got that says the Titanic was a big boat that went splash, and she did such a good job on it. So shout out to Alana for making that sticker. Um, I really. She also made a really cool like bloody Lululemon sticker, but I couldn't print it because I don't have copyright, uh, you know, uh, what is that, like approval.
1: Because it to, was trademarked. To print it.
0: Yes, exactly. Thank you. So anyway, um, but it was really cool too, so I wish I could have, but... Thank you so much, Alana. You're awesome. Um, and those stickers are going to be going out this week, so I am still going through collecting addresses. If, I, if you're a Patreon and um, you have not personally sent me your address in a message, then I can't get it. So make sure you check your inbox on the Patreon app, okay? And without further ado, we will get into today's episode.
1: Let's... Get into the show.
0: All right. So today we are talking about Betty Broderick. You know anything about her?
1: Not a damn thing, as usual. Shocking.
0: Okay. Well, I always just like to check because this is actually a really famous case, and it's famous for a lot of reasons. Obviously, we're going to get into that, but there's been movies, TV shows. There was actually one very recently with um, Amanda Peet and Christian Slater, and it was like a Dirty John, Betty Broderick story. Okay. I think it was on oxygen, maybe I don't remember. But um, anyway, they like made a TV show of it. I haven't actually watched that um, because I didn't want to pull information that wouldn't be accurate because sometimes they like over dramatize things. But um, anyway, like reenactment ones do. Yeah, yeah. So the only things I watched were a snapped episode. Twenty. She was also on Twenty Twenty and Forty Eight Hours. I mean it's she's on YouTube, she's been interviewed by Oprah, like you can find all this stuff. So
1: Well now I have a hint that she's still alive.
0: Yeah, she's still alive. Well, come um, on. Yeah. So anyway, let's get started. Betty Broderick was born on November seventh, nineteen forty seven. She was born in Bronxville, New York, and she was the third of six children in a devout Roman Catholic family. Her dad owned a plastering business with his brothers, which was pretty successful. And her mom was a housewife who groomed Betty and her sisters to follow in that same path starting at a very young age. Her parents were really strict. Her mom really drilled it into her how important it was to find a good Catholic man, support him while he works, and have his kids and just be like this dutiful housewife. Rock on. So she graduated from Maria Regina High School in 1965. And she went to the College of Mount St. Vincent, where she eventually graduated with a degree in early childhood education and a minor in English.
1: St. Vincent, St. Mary?
0: Um, wait, what? No, Maria Regina High School and then College of Mount St. Vincent. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Um, so before she graduated from college, though, she met a man named Dan, Dan Broderick. They met in 1965 while Dan was attending the University of Notre Dame, and Dan had a really similar upbringing to Betty as he was raised in a very large Irish Catholic family, and Dan was very ambitious. He was highly driven, very focused. He was a little shy, but very motivated, and initially he went to school for pre-med. So he met Betty during his junior year of college while Betty was visiting a friend nearby. And Betty, she was only 17 at the time. She was modeling while she was going through school. She was really gorgeous, like big eyes, blonde hair, just like a very pretty girl. And at first, Betty turned down Dan when he asked her out on a date. But then in 1966, Dan graduated from Notre Dame and went to med school at the Weill Cornell Medical College in New York, and he hadn't—smart dude, super smart. Oh, we'll get into it. He's crazy smart. Um, but he hadn't forgotten about Betty and sent her a telegram asking her out on a date. I mean, it's 1966.
1: Gosh. Take a second and for like. Imagine how different life was at yeah. Easter. We were talking to my family mm-hmm. about like some like pastime stuff mm-hmm. and about like how different the world was like can't even imagine,
0: yeah, I mean we were talking about like how different milk was. And how like you would just pour out your own gallons from a tank, and like it wasn't past your eyes, or whatever. And it would or have whatever, cream or... that
1: builds up on top, and you would either use the cream for coffee creamer or you would Ugh. shake it up.
0: I can't like, I, like when I think things. of like a, a liquid separating, I don't, I can't, glass jugs. I can't deal. Glass mm-hmm.
1: jugs. like everything, like life was just so freaking different.
0: Yeah, even as, as like common as like living without AC. I know some people still do that, but like they were describing like trying to fall asleep in summer when your house was just burning up. You'd I mean, until, and I know some people still live without AC, even like yeah. locally here. I mean, it's not it's not Super unheard online, of. Yeah. but God, I would be so uncomfortable. It makes I'm you so spoiled. For the things you have. Yeah, I am Oof. so freaking spoiled when it comes to AC. Um, anyway, that was off topic. So anyway, he sent her a telegram asking her out on a date. And this time she said yes. And the rest was history. They fell head over heels for each other and got married on April 12th, 1969. They got pregnant with their first daughter during their honeymoon. And while Dan was finishing up school, Betty accepted a teaching position at an elementary school so that she could pay the rent and just keep everyone afloat. So, Betty worked really hard to take as much pressure off Dan as she could. She took care of the house and the bills and everything at home so that he could focus on medical school. And all of this work paid off when he completed his M.D., only to announce that now he wanted to continue his education by combining his medical knowledge with a law degree. So, he enrolled at Harvard Law School Holy crap! after getting his M.D.,
1: that's crazy.
0: So Betty saw him through all of this. She worked as a teacher. She also sold tep- Tupperware and Avon just to get them by while he was in school. And meanwhile, she's still popping out kids on top of all of this. She's She ended up having five kids. One of them died just four days after being born. But she ended up raising four kids while Dan was in school.
1: Intense. They got their hands full.
0: Yeah. So in 1973 having a dual degree made Dan a very attractive candidate for a lot of law firms. So he was quickly recruited to a large law firm out in San Diego, California. So the whole family packed up and moved to a suburb of La Jolla. And yeah, La Jolla. it is not.
1: That's La Jolla, and I would really love for you to not delete this part of the podcast.
0: <laughs> J-O-L-L-A? That's La Jolla? La Jolla Beach. You've got to be kidding me. La Jolla I feel so dumb right now.
1: <laughs> I know you want to delete this part, but you can't because you're such that's a smart La Jolla? girl. That's La Jolla? I
0: would have thought that was like H-O-Y-A. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm actually getting hot. I don't Beach. get embarrassed. Babe, that's, like, that's like
1: if you said Tortilla. <laughs> oh, my God. You that's cannot so delete
0: stupid. it. so stupid.
1: Oh, oh, you're no. so cute. You're the cutest. Oh, if this was no. me right now, guys, Kelly would say, you're so lucky you're cute. You
0: know what's playing in my head, that Rihanna song? You look so dumb right now. Yeah, that's yeah. me right now. But you
1: look cute. Oh, my
0: God. Okay, so That's La Jolla? Yeah, that,
1: that took my mind off of everything, so go back to I movie. had
0: no freaking idea so that's they, they, La Jolla. He took a job
1: in La Jolla, and oh, they moved God, all the way to La Jolla, Kelly. California.
0: I give up. I quit this podcast. Oh. No more episodes ever again. <laughs> All right, so they packed up and moved to La Jolla, which is spelled La Jolla, so whatever.
1: That was seriously (laughs) cute. Sorry, guys. That was really funny. Man, that was a blonde moment.
0: Blonde moment? It's freaking spelled La Jolla. Shut up. It's a stupid... Stupid town, and tell anyway. you
1: you're cute, and that's the way I get treated.
0: <laughs> I love you. Okay, so anyway, at this point, Dan was finally making enough to support the family. So Betty became a stay at home mom, and they finally started enjoying some of the more finer things in life. They joined a couple country clubs, they're going to um, extravagant like vacations, dressing themselves and their kids in the nicest clothes. And it seemed like all the years of hard work and sacrifice was finally paying off. But, as we know... I have a
1: weird prediction that all of the degrees were fake. Go ahead,
0: though. I'm just going to keep reading. But having a successful and demanding job does not come without consequence. And many nights, Dan would come home late and irritable. Betty would be exhausted from taking care of the kids in the house all day. She began to feel like a single parent, and she she grew really resentful over... Dan working these like 14 to 15 hour days and then socializing afterwards and like hanging out with the buddies on the weekend. And like, he was just like a very absent father and absent dad, according to Betty. Okay. That is according to Betty. But anyway, they'd often come to blows with one another. And over time they started growing apart. Betty wasn't getting what she needed. Neither was Dan. And they became so focused on their independent roles that they neglected to recognize each other in the process. Super
1: passive relationship.
0: This is so common. This is why they say to like continue dating each other while you're married, you know, especially when you have kids, to like at least set one night a week where you just can focus on each other, go to dinner, have alone time, like do your thing cuz it is so easy to become these ships that pass in the night and that is exactly how like a marriage deteriorates. So, anyway, this is just really common, so I feel like I had to say that. But in 1982, Dan ended up hiring this gorgeous 21-year-old Dutch-American flight attendant to be his legal assistant. She was actually the receptionist for like the law firm that he was working in, but he he like had his own practice within the like building, I guess. And so he pulled her as a receptionist and hired to, her to be his legal assistant. Even though she had no background, no education in law, she couldn't even type.
1: Does Betty talk about this?
0: Oh, yeah. So her name was Linda Kolkina. And Dan was 38 at the time. But despite this age difference, Betty was convinced that they were having an affair. She, at a party, at a cocktail party, Betty overheard Dan describing Linda as beautiful, like And I guess he was talking to someone else and said, oh, yeah, she's a beautiful girl. But Dan vehemently denied having an affair with her, saying that the idea was just too stupid to be true, kind of gaslighting Betty, And then Betty, in an interview later with the LA Times, said, quote, That girl had nothing on me. I am prettier, smarter, classier. She is a dumb, uneducated tramp with no background or education or talent. He will definitely get over it.
1: And that, folks, is jealousy.
0: So, you know, in the interview that she had with Oprah, she talked about how it wasn't uncommon for people in, like, their community or their, like, society, like their little social circle for the men to have these, like, midlife crises, right? So he's 38 years old. He's almost 40. He bought himself this red Corvette. He had, like, the sunglasses and this, like... Really hot young assistant. She felt like he was just going through a midlife crisis. And she felt like, just like everyone else, he'd eventually snap out of it and come back to their family and like pull his his head out of his ass and come back. So she'd never talked to her friends about any of this. She kept it a secret because she didn't want for that time to come and then have to explain to everybody like what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she saw it happen so many times where these men would stray, and then they'd, they the women would pick up the pieces and they'd work it out, right? So that is what Betty fully expected to happen. But the following year, Betty came to Dan's office to surprise him for his birthday, and she waited around until the office finally closed, but neither Dan or Linda ever showed up. However, while she waited, she noticed the remnants of what seemed to be like a little party in the office, and that's when she noticed in the fridge their wedding crystal, like the glasses, like the wine glasses, and a bunch of imported wine. And then she looked on Linda's desk, and there was a picture of Dan at her desk from before Dan and Betty, Betty were ever married.
1: What?
0: So Betty flew into this rage. She went home, took all of his tailor-made suits, and burned them in the backyard. Oh, come on.
1: That was a little overkill.
0: Because she knew in her bones that he was having an affair with Linda, even though he continued to deny it. Okay, hold on a second. Okay.
1: Can we agree uh-huh. that that was a little overkill?
0: Um, yeah, I, Thank you me. know.
1: That's it. That's really just a yes or no.
0: With those facts alone, yes. You know, there's probably a lot of other things that made her believe that he was flirting or messing around with Linda, and, you know, I'm sure that she was super disappointed and had her feelings hurt, but yeah, to, like, go and make such a scene, it's a total, it's an overreaction for something you don't have facts for, you know, like... She's
1: probably burning thousands of dollars for the suits.
0: Yeah, but I mean, at that point, he's making, like, well over six figures, so... I mean, Still in her eyes, she episodes. probably sees it as just like this act of revenge, but yeah. I'm not I'm not here to say one is right or one is wrong, but I was just curious. Finally, Dan ended up moving out and getting his own house. And I guess what happened was he moved out and they were going to do some repairs on the house that they were living in as a family. But then um Betty and the kids moved back into that house and he stayed in the house that he bought because then he ended up filing for divorce and then finally admitted to having an affair with Linda the entire time. So Betty was right. So yeah, now when you think about it, I'm like, burn those suits, girl, burn those suits. I would burn those suits. I'd burn a hell of a lot more than some suits. If you were screwing around with a 21 year old little bimbo. Yes, I would.
1: I'm Chet, you betcha, and you betcha I would.
0: That's all you have to say? <laughs> what do
1: you want me to say to this? Keep your talking, keep your story going.
0: So, um, even though Betty, you know, knew this, she was not going to go down without a fight. If anything, this just, like, spewed gasoline on the fire. So, Betty trashed his house on more than one occasion.
1: Okay, come on, we're getting carried away. Move. Oh, you on don't with your even
0: life. know, Austin. Move
1: on with your life.
0: Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That is Betty frickin' Broderick. She went off the rails. She would get into his house and spray paint his bedroom walls, which she denies this. One time she came over and there was a cream pie like in the kitchen that apparently Linda had made and it was like his favorite type of pie. So she took it up to his bedroom and smeared the pie like on his bedding and on his clothes in the closet. Um, There was another time she threw wine bottles through the windows.
1: I'm just rolling my eyes, everybody. This is ridiculous.
0: Dan did get a restraining order, but Betty violated it, breaking through one of the windows with an umbrella. And then. This is a stage
1: five. Yeah, she's losing it.
0: No, I mean, yeah, okay. Like, burn the suits and be done. Like, call it a day. But then to do all this other stuff, it's like, girl, you're psycho. You're, you're really. It's not a good look for you, bro. Like, Mm -hmm. she's got, bro, she's got kids. She's trying to like maintain custody of her kids. Just leave
1: Lajala. You know what I mean?
0: You know what? I'm about to seriously remove you permanently from this podcast if you bring it up again. That was so embarrassing.
1: (laughs) Stop making threats.
0: I'll never live that down ever. Oh yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, he ended up getting a restraining restraining order, but Betty violated it. And then when he sold his house and bought a new one, Betty drove her car into the front door of, of the new house. Of course she did. Obviously causing a huge scene. So she also had a knife in the car when she did that. So Dan had her committed on a seventy two hour hold. And I can't say that I blame him because Should've now been a you're acting crazy. Okay. So okay. then in Oh, and you know, that doesn't even touch the, the surface, because she would call on a daily basis, leaving voicemail after voicemail, just berating Dan and Linda as a couple, saying horrible things, cussing. She would say these things around their kids. They had... Their their two daughters were older and at at this point they had moved out of the home but the two young boys were still in the home and they would have to hear a lot of this and sometimes they'd even be on the phone with her begging her to stop saying bad words stop the fighting and she would say well you know if it wasn't for that slime ball and then the kids would be like see mom this is what I'm talking about like please stop. That's heartbreaking.
1: I have two things to say. Okay. Number one Mm -hmm. I hope that I'm going to get to hear if Betty's still crazy in her old age. Am I going to get to hear that?
0: I can't tell you.
1: Am I going to get to hear it later in the story? Probably. Okay. And the other thing I have to say is, if take notes here. If you break up with somebody, I don't care if it's a high school relationship, I don't care if it's a six month relationship, or a marriage that you get cheated on after 20 years. If you continue to act like a a heartbroken idiot, that's mm-hmm. kind of insensitive, but if you continue to act like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're only proving that like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like you're just you're not winning.
0: You're not There's winning.
1: There's no win coming out of this. You're no. just proving that you're extremely heartbroken. It's almost to me, and I know this sounds kind of insensitive, but it's almost like you're you're so hurt. Like You, the person placed their identity in the other person so much, Mm -hmm. and they never think they're going to do as good. And it's almost like putting that person on a totem pole. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like your point is to bring them down. But in my opinion, you're almost putting that person higher and higher on a totem pole because you're devoting your whole life to telling them what a piece of crap they are. and how hurt they made you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And not only that, but like when you try to tear others down, you're just proving that you're already below them. You're trying to bring them to your level. Yes,
1: yes. and so, so like, I don't know. Like in my head, I'm just thinking that as you're saying this, I'm like, gosh, I know there's people out there that are thinking, this sounds like me, or they won't admit that it sounds like them, but they kind of draw the, or it sounds like their friend and like, it's not a good look.
0: Right. And it's really hard to have sympathy for someone who constantly victimizes themselves and then puts themselves in these situations where they act violent and out of control. Like, it's hard for me to have sympathy for someone who has no control over their actions and yeah, no remorse. Like, okay.
1: When she drove the, door, the car through her front door, mm-hmm. how, how, through his front door, how much longer was that since they got divorced? I mean, are we talking six months, a year, two years?
0: Um, I think it was shortly before the divorce was finalized. I'm not sure exactly but what that point timeline is, it's long was, but enough that
1: he moved on it, and got a new house. This has happened
0: over the span of like three or four years.
1: Yeah, this is crazy.
0: And I know that you know she has said in interviews that she still had hopes that he would come back to their family. Like, how could you that's do this to us? Do it. Oh, I know.
1: That's going to do the trick.
0: Exactly. You know, that's what As she has. If
1: the burning his four thousand dollars in suits in, in 1970 numbers, which is now. $12,000, $15,000 in suits. As if that wasn't enough, mm-hmm. you're going to do everything else. Right. Call yeah. and be like somebody? Like, this is going to make
0: him want to come back? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's a very backwards way of thinking, but it's like so common in these super nasty common. divorces. That's the only reason I brought
1: it up is because it's like super common, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe not to this degree, but still.
0: But no, I mean, it's very common when you hear you know, parents fighting during a divorce and making it so bitter and then involving the kids in it. That's so low. If you do that and you talk shit on your ex in front of your kids... You're just a piece of shit. You're making yourself look no better than the person you're dogging. Cause then that child has to realize I'm half of that parent. So then if you know, if I love my dad, does that mean I'm as bad as she's saying and he I is? Think, like that's is... such a twisted way to yeah. manipulate your kids. And I
1: don't think it should ever be like talking shit by any means. But I do think that like, you know, there's a difference between kids that are especially at an impressionable age, 4, mm-hmm. 8, 12, 14, yeah. that you're having these conversations with. Let them
0: figure it out them, for themselves. Let them get older,
1: and when they're 17, 18, they 20, will. have honest conversations with them. Yep. I think they're, I never think you should lie. Like, one of the things with kids, I never think you should lie to kids, mm-hmm. but like, having an honest, mature conversation. And
0: being tactful. Yeah, like, if you just said, you know, daddy is making some poor decisions right now, or something, you know, like, or if, you know, daddy's choices just aren't aligning with mine right now, so Mommy, we're not getting along. Like, yeah, but don't go Mommy's be very, right. Yeah. Don't say like, oh, your dad unzipped his pants for the tramp that he works for or whatever, like that works for him. Like, you don't have to say that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff she did. Yeah. So in 1986, their divorce was finalized with Dan winning custody of the kids and Betty getting more than $16,000 a month in spousal support, which today I did the math would be closer to like $38,000 a month. a month. Probably more
1: than that. What year was that?
0: 1986.
1: Yeah, that's
0: crazy. Their divorce was so nasty that it was very widely known. And Oprah even did an episode on ugly divorces and contacted Betty to see if she wanted to be on the show. But at the time, Betty declined. So even though the divorce was final and both Dan and Betty started new relationships, like long-term relationships. Betty had a new man, okay? And then obviously Dan was with Linda. But Betty would call Dan and his girlfriend Linda, leaving vulgar voice messages. So every time she did this, Dan would deduct money from her monthly payments. He would take as much as $100 to $200 for every curse word she used, up to $1,000 for any time she took the kids without authorization, one month, the offenses were so high that Betty, like he ended up, instead of sending her a check that month, sent her an invoice saying that Betty technically owed him money according to those rules. So at this point, Dan was the president of the San Diego Bar Association. So Betty had a hard time finding a lawyer that was willing to represent her. Right. But Dan wasn't innocent here either. Like he would purposefully do things to humiliate Betty and kind of like, you know egg her on um and so like for example when Betty would come to the boys soccer practices to pick them up he would refuse to let them go with her like in front of everybody and she would just be humiliated so he would do things sometimes just to evoke a response from her but the thing is like he knew she was so um like what am I trying to say so uh um, powerful no, like, she was so off the rails and, like, you know, easily triggered that he knew she would just snap at the drop of a hat and, like, have no control over her reactions. And the way he would respond would be with just, like, legal jargon, just, like, totally berating her and belitting her, belittling her with, like, all these legal terms and these letters and... So, like, in that sense, I kind of feel bad for her because I feel like he's provoking her to get more out of her. And then she's just met with this, like, Goliath of a law, like, a a lawyer who is on the bar association who has all these contacts and who, what does she have? She has nothing, nobody other than the money that she's getting every month. And like, it's too bad that she didn't just realize that, accept that and move on with her life. Like your marriage is over. You're getting all this freaking money a a month. You've practically hit the lottery. Just move on. But she just couldn't. And at that point she was so far off the rails and she wasn't getting the help she needed that this was just spiraling out of control. So three months after the divorce was final, on April 12th of 1989, which I think would have been like 10 days after their 20th wedding anniversary, Dan and Linda were married in an intimate backyard ceremony at their new home that they shared together. And a lot of their friends were really concerned since they knew about Betty's behavior. So they insisted that Dan wear a bulletproof vest just in case Betty decided to show up. And he did wear a bulletproof vest. But luckily, Betty did not come to the wedding. Um, to the wedding, However, after the wedding, Betty claimed that Linda was taunting her by mailing her facial creams and these ads for, like, weight loss treatments. And that same month...
1: That's just on Betty's account, though.
0: That's what Betty said, yeah. I mean, by everyone else that has known Linda or talked about Linda, they said that she was delightful, that she was very smart, easy to go along with. Always had a bright smile on her face, always making people smile. She was, like, very warm and welcoming. Like, of course, everybody has had nothing but good things to say about Linda. Um, But about a month after this wedding ceremony, Betty went to a gun shop asking for ammunition that would do the most damage to someone. So the clerk sold her a type of ammunition called black talons, which was a .38 caliber bullet, caliber bullet that expands when it hits its target. And meanwhile, she said that she got the gun to protect herself because she's a single woman now. And as she's a single mom living with her kids, you know, in this home all by herself. So that is why she said she got the gun. But meanwhile, the taunting continues to go back and forth with Betty leaving these vicious voicemails, even when the kids are at home. Um, and there was even a conversation she had with her 11-year-old son, saying that she wished Dan was dead and that Linda would just drive off a cliff. And I mean, God, just like how awful is that that you're doing how that do you, to your kids? How the
1: heck can you go into a place and say I want the damage that the bullets that'll do the most damage? Is to Is that somebody. not like a red flag? Like. Oh, uh, let me let me direct you over to the hollow points, which will <laughs> screw somebody's life up. <laughs> what what, what, do I, what the me hell? Let direct
0: you to the hollow points.
1: <laughs> you definitely don't want to use a target round. That might just bruise them and barely pierce. What an idiot.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Then on November 4th of 1989, Betty received yet another round of legal papers Threatening to file criminal contempt charges unless she stopped leaving vulgar, vulgar messages on Dan and Linda's answering machine, and then like also like they mean
1: anything to her now when she gets these letters. Yeah, she's been getting them for years. She yeah, she's obviously
0: not going to stop. It's just you know probably
1: plays basketball with him with her trash can.
0: Well, and it also said something about you know the custody of the boys, indicating that he intended to full, seek full custody of the boys because she was um, basically unstable mentally unstable, emotionally unstable, just like basically called her out for all these things and really just kind of hitting her where it hurts. And so that following morning on November 5th, as the sun began to rise, she grabbed her older daughter's keys out of her purse, which had a key to Dan's house. And she left for Dan's house. She said she was going there to commit suicide in front of the couple. But when she got there, she opened the door, she walked up the stairs to their bedroom, and she says that it was really dark and that Linda woke up and said, call the police, and that uh, Betty said no and just began firing. So she pointed the gun, shot a total of five times, before ripping the phone out of the wall and leaving And she didn't realize it at the time, or so she says. But she shot Linda in the head and chest, killing her instantly. Then she shot Dan in the chest, which punctured his lung. And another bullet went through the wall, with another hitting a nightstand. And Dan didn't die immediately. The medical examiner estimated that he lived probably for another 20 minutes before finally bleeding to death, unable to call for help since Betty tore the phone out of the wall. And according to Betty, Dan's last words were, okay, you shot me, I'm dead. And then she turned herself into police shortly after.
1: Gosh. See, and this one was like 70 now, right? Hmm? So when, she, when this chick's gone on Oprah, is she like 70 like she is now?
0: This was in 1989.
1: Yeah, she was born in 41, or 40s.
0: She was born um, 47.
1: So she's 73.
0: No, today. babe. Oh, today. Yeah, yeah today. today. I thought you were saying at the time. No,
1: so I'm like, is she, is, is so this, would she keep talking about her going on Oprah? Is this now? I know I keep skipping ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just, you're good. is this like. Uh, she did, ended
0: up going on Oprah after the killings and talking about what happened and like the demise after? of their marriage? Yes.
1: Okay, I thought this was like maybe she, she was went in jail on recently.
0: No, she was in jail, but she did an interview with Oprah. Oprah was on TV for a long time. Yeah, no, I know. I just... Yeah, so this was like early 90s that she was on there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the trial, she was being charged with two counts of first-degree murder um, with premeditation. And Betty's defense was that she was a battered wife driven over the edge by years of psychological, physical, and mental abuse at the hands of Dan Broderick, and that she never went to the house intending to kill them. She said that she just brought the gun so that Dan would listen to her, so that Dan and Linda what? would listen to her. And Oh, f- that's
1: acceptable.
0: The first trial ended with a hung jury because two of the jurors didn't believe the murder was premeditated. They couldn't find intent. What? So Betty was retried again a year later, but this time the jury found Betty guilty of second-degree murder And she was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 15 years to life, plus two years for illegal use of a firearm. So that was a total of 32 years to life. In 2010, she was eligible for parole and went before the board of parole hearings. But since she didn't show any remorse or acknowledge of any wrongdoing... She was denied and will not be eligible for parole again until 2032.
1: She was, she was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Lacrimose. I don't know. She
1: was, she was used to that life. She didn't want to leave anyway. She was, um.
0: Accustomed?
1: Yeah, I guess that's for lack of better words, yeah.
0: Used to what life? Living in the jail? life of
1: jail. She didn't care about getting out. She probably didn't want out. Wouldn't know how to live. Wasn't getting 16 grand a month anymore. Killed yeah. your income source. You ain't going to go to work. You know, mm-hmm. Why would she show remorse? She has no remorse. She has no reason to want out or get out. So, of course, not Other than her kids.
0: Me. Her kids are still alive. However, she is...
1: Pissed them off. She killed their dad.
0: Well, and she's, um, like, she is uh, estranged from one of her daughters. Because like, one of her daughters was kind of on her side. Leah, I believe, is her name. And then Kim... Was the other daughter who testified. So, like, one daughter testified in her defense, and then one daughter testified against her. And Kim, I believe, was the one that testified against her. So, Betty had the audacity to blame Kim for the reason she's in jail. See, so they don't care. She has nothing. No.
1: I don't blame her at all for saying I have any remorse because she's crazy and that's where she belongs.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when you first start hearing this story, or at least when I first started hearing it, I kind of was like, and I think a lot of people when they first heard this story, which is why it got so much attention, was that a lot of women were like, yeah, she supported him through all of his dreams. She was the one holding it down while he got his education and he followed his dreams and she literally did everything and to hold it down che- and supported him.
1: And she got cheated on by the young secretary. So everybody yes. was like, oh, it. And okay, then the I second he
0: makes it, dumps her and pulls in this young, hot twenty-one year old. Okay. So like on that, like when you stop there, I get it. Mm-hmm. I would be livid too.
1: Insert your little comment. Hell hath no woman like corn I agreed. Yes. And so you know what? Burn the suits. <laughs>
0: And move on, and
1: take your sixteen grand a month in nineteen seventy something, yes. and move on. Yes, get out of La
0: Stop it, Austin. <laughs>
1: but but instead, she does this.
0: What an idiot! And then she just you know took it way too far, you know. So that is where my my sympathy ends. It ends when you like started running the car into the house and leaving these vicious voice voicemails <laughs> when the kids are there. You're dragging the kids into it, like you know what would have made him. You're more losing miserable?
1: me. You know what would have made him more miserable if he had to write a $16,000 check every month to someone he never heard from ever besides when they burnt their suits and she yeah. blocked him.
0: Yeah. And you know what'll really piss it off piss piss them off is signing the back of that every single month. And Linda, the new wife has to know that like the first wife is getting this paycheck every single month. Like, come on girl, that would be your winning. That would be and, winning. And if
1: it's 2021, then get online and mail them a bag of dicks and, ominously, and ominously Yeah. They have every glitter month.
0: bombs, glitter dicks. You could just do that. Okay. Get your revenge that way. You can mail way. animal poop. Yeah, there's a we there's reach a website. We have
1: see if we can get sponsored.
0: There's a website where you can go on and like literally mail somebody yeah. like elephant or giraffe poop. It's so weird. Poop. How would it's you
1: know so what kind weird. of poop it
0: is? Because I looked into it once.
1: No, I know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you're so weird. You were, because I looked into it. once.
0: I didn't do it. I didn't but, follow through. No, but, but I, I mean, thought like, about it.
1: Like, how do you know if you're getting the right poop? Like, damn it, I ordered elephant poop and I you mailed know. giraffe. It's probably
0: poop. got all different types of consistencies. Who freaking knows? I don't know. But anyway, that is the story of Betty Broderick, and you know, I hope if you're listening to this and you are also a woman scorned, that you know when to stop. Know when to stop. I say it to my seven year old all the time, dude. Know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And that's my lesson. That's that's what I've uh, you and know. And we got a Patreon this.
1: and a listen out there named Betty Teddy.
0: <gasps> my girl, Betty and Teddy. Betty Teddy. But she's not like Betty Broderick. Broderick. Yeah, she's not. She's just got a random shadow. She's cool. She's just like me. She's the coolest. She's
1: just like me. I won't even get into that.
0: We're very cool. What?
1: Mama. Mystery.
0: Lajala. Out.